Well, every now and again, I like to do a message where it's a little bit different, kind of try to lay it back and try to have just a conversation. I, I call it kind of a coffee table talk. You've seen me do this before if you've been around here before where I just kind of pull a chair up around the table and instead of preaching, I kind of envision it like we're, we're sitting at the coffee shop or having a hamburger together. I came over to your backyard and we just, we're just hanging out and talking uh, because I think it's good to start the year with just kind of having a conversation and kind of renewing some of where we've been as a church and where God maybe is going to take us in this next year, which is crazy. And think about how can we even think about what that's going to be like because it's been so crazy in 2020. We don't know what 2021 is going to even look like. But if you think about 2020, I ask you for one word. If you're online, I encourage you to type the word in. Matter of fact, if you're online, I've got my phone here with me. I'm watching. I'm looking for your responses. And in here in the room, I'm going to ask you to just kind of share with me, what's one word that comes to your mind as you think about 2020? What would be one word to describe it? Go ahead and just speak it out. Whoa, too, too many people. Okay, I heard test. That's a good word. So, what's that? Trial. Okay. Faith and unknown. What's one word? What's reliance? reliance. Online here, I've got the word different, challenging, the word learning. I mean, we can come up with a lot of descriptive words. I was putting together my, my, my thoughts on, on, a, on my notes here, and I kept typing the word crazy. I was like, why do I keep coming back to that word? I mean, it, is, it was a crazy year. <laughs> um, but I'm like, can't you like, have a wider vocabulary than just crazy, Brian? <laughs> but that's what I kept getting stuck on was the word crazy. Um, you start thinking about 2020. You know, we turned a corner to January of 2020, and um, it wasn't long in the new year. I don't know if it was late January or early February. We started hear- hearing rumors about a, a virus. You all remember that? I don't remember exactly what date it was, but it was early, Jan- early uh, 2020. We started hearing, hey, there's this virus. It's pretty serious, and it's starting to spread. And, you know, I don't know how serious we took it early on, but by March... By March, things were getting pretty serious. By March, there was recommendations of not gathering as a church. But by March, we decided, you know what, we need to work with our government here and the guidance they're given. We don't understand what's all happening. But, hey, we'll take a break. And quite honestly, I think we went into that. I think most of us were thinking, okay, this will be a couple weeks. We'll, we'll take a break from church for a few weeks, and things will calm down, and we'll get all back to normal. And we didn't know that it was going to be uh, three and a half months of being online for any kind of gathering for church. And it wasn't just Centerpoint. It was basically every church across the nation. We didn't know that schools would go online there in March. I'm sure teachers were thinking, okay, this will be a short-term thing. We'll have the kids back in class. We didn't know, okay, they're going to go into online learning, and then that's going to come into September and October. Of course, it's got to come back at some point, no, November, December, now here or January, still not knowing when are we going to go back in the classroom. Now some have tried, and it's back up. We didn't know, we didn't know that restaurants were going to close. Who would ever think your restaurants across your city shut down? You're just not going to be able to do it. I mean, it's just a, for me, that's why I think going to the word crazy. Who would have thought, hey, listen, you're going to work from home. And I don't know what percentage that is, but if you have a job that is possible, they said, you're working from home. And some of you have transitioned. I know, for instance, my brother was driving 45 minutes to an hour to work up in the Detroit area, and they started working from home. It's worked so well, they closed their office down and said, you're all working from home. 
He's gotten two hours of his day back. I mean, for him, the pandemic's been great. He's like, great, I'm not making this drive. Some of you are in that same thing where you're like, I'm now working from home, and that's going to be my new life. Who would have thought racial tensions would have exploded like they exploded in April and May? I mean, you just stop and think about the rioting that we have witnessed and seen on at least television. Our city was rather protected compared to many cities. We did have marching and so forth that had taken place. But who would have thought things in 2020 would have escalated to that type of level? Or, or what about the presidential race? And need I say more? I mean, it was, it was ugly, right? And I think all of us look back and go, why is our country where it is? What a mess we have as a, as a country. It's just, it's just kind of been a crazy year. 2020 was quite the year, and we start 2021, and we're still dealing with COVID. I mean, we're still in this journey. We still have a lot of unknowns. Somebody said that word. I think, Elliot, you said unknown was your word. We still have a whole lot of unknowns taking place. We, we don't know school going to go back together. Church is still kind of odd and weird, still trying to figure this out. Now, let me take you back to 2019 for a moment, church. You say, why are we going back to 2019? I don't know if you remember. If you're new around here, you're going to say, I don't know any of that. But if you were here in 2019, 2019 was a, a year where we spent a lot of time praying and thinking and had a, a team working to guide us, and then we had a lot of feedback as a church, and we were saying, Lord, what's next for the body of Centerpoint? Where are you taking us? Where are you leading us? What do you want us to do? What does ministry look like? How do we minister to our community? How do we reach people? How do we love people? We're asking all kinds of questions in 2019. It was a year of praying. It was a year of dreaming. It was a year of sharing and looking for God and saying, God, what's next? In the fall of 2019, then um, I preached an eight-week sermon series about where we were and where we're going as a church. So that was in September and October of 2019. It was called This Is Us. This Is Us. That was the series. If you've missed that and you're like, okay, I want to know about that, you can go online to mycpoint.com and you can watch that sermon series, um, eight of the best messages you'll probably ever hear. (laughs) See, we're just having a cup of coffee, right? Just having a cup of coffee. Uh, but it was about our mission, it was about our vision, it was about our direction, it was about where we saw God taking us and how we're refocusing and, and just thinking forward. And then March 2020 hit. And we had to make a transition as every other business and organization. I think the key word that all of us are going to throw away is the word pivot, right? We have to, we have to pivot. And we have to figure out how to do ministry. How, how do we have church online when we weren't set up to do church online at all. Um, what do we do about children's ministry? What do you do about students' ministry? What do you do about small groups' ministry? What do you do about Easter service? We had Easter service, and we couldn't even gather together for Easter. I mean, ministry is like putting a bomb in the middle. Just as it was businesses and schools, it's like this, this thing has just totally blown up on us, and everything's changed. So church as we knew it was turned upside down. And we're still trying to figure out what does the body, what does the church look like? How do we still reach out and how do we still care for our community? 
And so we're still trying to figure this out while we say, okay, God, you are painting this picture inside of our hearts and minds as a church, and now everything's transitioned. What does it look like to have in-person gatherings and online gatherings? I would have never thought I'm going to be talking to a group of people sitting in a room, and I'll look up a camera every now and then also talk to our group that's on our social media, and, and bringing a phone up and saying, hey, can we engage together and trying to figure out. They didn't teach us that in Bible college. It wasn't part of the plan, right? But that's kind of a new world that we're in, and we don't know what normal looks like. What does it look like to gather in person for online groups or for in-person groups? Because some people say, I want to do an in-person group, and some people say, well, I want an online group, and some people say, I don't like online groups, and trying to figure all that out. What will the new normal be for the church? I don't know. We have a lot to figure out. We have a lot to pray through. We're listening to God and saying, God, you keep directing us, and we're going to keep taking steps as we learn. Can I tell you something, though? Who we are hasn't changed. I want you to think about that for a moment. Who we are hasn't changed. We are a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and our mission given by Him is still the same. You agree with me on that? It hasn't changed. He has laid out that mission for us, and we are still to be working His mission to the best of our abilities, the power of the Spirit, as we sang about, and Brian has shared some scripture about, to the power, the best we can. But how we live out that mission in this ever-changing, crazy world is what we're to figure out. How do we do this? What does it look like? Jesus gave our gave us our mission. And so today, I just want to spend some time reminding us of who we are. Who we are, what we're trying to be as a church, and where that comes from. Who we are. Matthew 28, Jesus says this to his disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Jesus says, listen, God, my Father, has given me this authority to tell you these words. So what's being shared with you today comes from the authority of Jesus written in Scripture. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the mission of the church. That's the mission of every believer, every Christ follower, is to go and to make disciples. That's the main verb there. That's the main action. It's an imperative. It's a command. And the other verbs that go along with it that say go and teach and baptize, they're all participles that modify that main verb. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go and we are supposed to make disciples. So that command is everywhere we go, we are teaching, we are preaching, we are baptizing, we are helping people come to know how to walk in Jesus. That's our mission. That's who we are. How that looks and how that's lived out looks different for Centerpoint Christian Church and Church A and Church B and Church C on down the street because as we read Scripture and we go, okay, God, we're going to live with your mission, live within your will, He's going to empower us and give us some directives and imperatives and maybe how to do that a little bit differently than church down the street. And surely it's going to look different than everything we thought of heading into the year 2020. This is how we say it and try to communicate it around here. Centerpoint exists to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help people. Are you a people? 
We're all a people. I know that's not proper language, right? John Stamper's over there going, you're killing me right now, Brian, <laughs> my editor. We are all people, and we help one another. And in these neighborhoods, as new houses are going in over here and new apartments are going in over here and a new subdivision that is planned where the golf course is, is at right now, all, we're surrounded by people. And so our job is not to act like we're perfect and have it all figured out. We just come alongside. That's the word help. We come alongside and we help people find and follow Jesus. That's make disciples. We want to help you, if you don't know Jesus, to find and discover Jesus. And once you find and discover who Jesus is and his plan for your life, we want to help you then follow and walk in him. Do any of us have that perfectly figured out? Let me ask that again. We want to help people find and follow Jesus. We help people who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus, and then we help people to follow Jesus. Do any of us have that perfectly figured out? No! I don't have it perfectly figured out. You don't have it perfectly figured out. So we help one another in this whole following process. It's a thing that we do together. That's making disciples. In the book of Acts, the beginning of the story of the church, which we're living in these days even now, we're living in the book of Acts right now, the Acts of the church. Paul is described as someone who risked his life for Jesus. He gave it all for Jesus. Paul repeatedly laid it on the line. Why did he lay his life on the line? To make disciples. He laid it on the line to help people find Jesus. He laid it on the line to help people follow Jesus. He was arrested. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned with rocks. He was left for dead. He gave his entire life to this one mission. Why? Hear me on this, church. Why would Paul be willing to give his life for the mission? Because he knew people mattered to God that much. He knew that God loved them that much. He adopted that mission as his own. He says, I'm willing to do anything for this mission. That's a mindset we need to recapture. 2020 has been a distraction to that, let's be honest. It's been a distraction because we're all trying to figure out, how do I school my kids? What do I do with work? How do I do this? What about that? How do we do church online? And with just the form and function of life, we've been distracted. And the preacher's been distracted from that mission. If you had a friend who was over here drowning in the water, would you just leave them? Absolutely not. You'd do everything you could to get them a life buoy. You'd give everything you can to throw them a rope or give them a hand and say, you're not going down in that water. I'm rescuing you. That's the mindset we have to get to as a church as we turn to 2021 and say, you know what? That's still our mission to help people find Jesus. When I think about helping people find Jesus, my mind goes right to Luke 15. If you've been around here much, you hear like, Brian, you've used that passage umpteen times. Yeah, it just to me captures the heart of God. I mean, Luke 15, you stop and think about it, of helping people find Jesus. There are three parables in Luke 15. And if you're not familiar with that, I encourage you to open your Bible. I'm not going to dive in deep in this, but there's the story or the parable of the lost sheep. There's a hundred sheep a shepherd has. One gets lost, and what does the shepherd do? He leaves the 99 and goes and finds the one. And when he gets the one, he brings the one back, tells his friends, and what do they do? They rejoice and have a party. My sheep that was lost has been found. Rejoice with me. And then he goes on and shares the story about the lost coin. 
A woman that had 10 coins, she loses one. That's a large part of her income. She loses one and she turns the house upside down, flips all the couches, does everything she can, sweeps the floor, looking for the one coin. When she finds it, she tells her friend, I lost a coin, but I found it. And what do they do? They rejoice with her and there's a party that's thrown. And the third story is about a lost son who says, I think I've got this life figured out. Dad, let me have my money. I'm going to go live on my own and, figure, and do life by myself. And he goes off and squanders all that away, and life gets really bad for him. It's so bad that he's actually seen eating with the pigs. Could you imagine being in that plot of life where you're down slopping the food of the pigs, and you're like, this has got to be better. There's something got to be better than this. And what does he do? He goes back to his dad and has to humbly kind of go back there, and his dad doesn't scold him. His dad opens his arms and says, get me the best fat and calf. Let's throw a party because my son who was lost has now been found. And Luke 15, I think, captures the heart of God about how much he wants us to find those who are far from him, those who are lost, those who are not with him. Look at Luke 15, 7. Just after the sheep is found, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In other words, heaven throws a party when someone turns their life towards God. Luke 15, 10, just after the coin is found. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's angels who are throwing a party. And Luke 15, after the sun comes back, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is now found. You know what God wants to do in your life this year? He wants to use you to help other people be found. He wants to use this church to help other people be found. People who have wandered far from God, people maybe who have never known God, He wants to use this body to help people be found. 2021 needs to be a year of us getting back on track of helping people find Jesus. That's the beginning of making disciples. So you can't make a disciple until they find Jesus. You actually start in kind of that pre-stage where you're praying for people and you're reaching out and you're caring about people, and then they make a decision to follow Jesus, and that's the starting process of making a disciple, helping lost people, people who don't know Jesus, be found. And then we help them grow in Jesus. We help them walk in Jesus. We help them put, their, put Christ at the center of their life. What does it mean then to walk with Jesus center of my life 24 hours a day, seven days a week? We got to strive in 2021 to recapture that focus. When I think about helping people then be found, then we have to help them follow Jesus. My mind takes me to Acts 2. I'm not showing you any passages today that you're probably unfamiliar with. Unless you're new to faith, these may be unfamiliar. But if you've been around, Peter preaches this great message and a bold message about Jesus and who Jesus was. And he stands up before a very hostile crowd and tells them, here's what you did to Jesus. And they're cut to the heart, which means they they were convicted of what they had done. And they respond and say, what must we do? And he says, you repent and give your life to Jesus. And 3,000 people give their life to Jesus on that day. Probably more than 3,000. You start adding in children and, and wives and everybody else. It's probably more closer to five or 6,000, what many estimate. I would love to be there that day when that many people give their life to Christ and commit their lives to Jesus and then they go into waters of baptism. What a remarkable account. I'd love to be able to hit rewind and say, can we at least replay that and just see it? 
But so you have 3,000 plus newborn babies in Christ, new followers of Jesus who said, okay, I want to follow the way of Jesus. What do we do with them? How do we help them? Well, in Acts 2, it tells us what they did next. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you notice something that's very uncommon that, that I notice when I see that? I read that and I go, man, the, the early believers, they were with each other a whole lot of time. They spent time gathering in temple courts. They spent time gathering in each other's home. They shared food together. They met each other's needs. They studied the Bible together. They prayed together. They had a communion together. They spent a lot of time in togetherness. The Scriptures has our recipe or our instructions of how we help one another follow Jesus. Apostles teaching, committed to God's Word. Served one another, they met each other's needs. They met together in, in the temple courts and in homes. The, the key was that they lived a life in community, in relationship, by rubbing shoulders with one another, by caring for each other, by praying for each other. And they had to do that house to house, home to home, temple court to temple court. I mean, they spent that kind of time together. Our community has been challenged in the pandemic. When I say our community, not only the community of Lexington, Fayette County, or whatever county you live in, but the church community, the, the body of Centerpoint, and then the greater body of Christ's church has been affected greatly by the pandemic because what? Don't gather together. Don't get in a house together. Don't have a meeting together. Don't have a Bible study together. Don't be face-to-face. -face. Oh, yes, you can do it online, but let's be honest. Online falls short, does it not? Now, I'm learning to embrace it because I think it has played a very important role for us. And I think it has helped, but it, has, it misses the intent of the Scriptures. It misses the core of us being together. And we need to fight for togetherness, for community life, to help each other follow Jesus. And so 2021 needs to be a year where we start going, wait a minute, I'm not going to accept just technology way of getting together. I'm going to start fighting to come back together. Now, I know, I know that some are like, I'm not coming back to a vaccine happens or this happens, or that happens. I want to respect those who are in that, in that area and give you the patience to work with God. But I want to greatly encourage, and you're going to hear your preacher greatly encourage us start to coming back together. Hebrews 10 tells us this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly. I mean, don't let it go. Don't let anything stop it. Do not let go. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So let's look and see how can we build each other up? How can we help each other in the journey? Not giving up meeting together as some are in a habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't think any of us have purposely said, oh, I'm just not going to meet. I'm just giving up on that idea. 
But because of going through a pandemic, that starts creeping in. And I believe the evil one can use what has happened to draw us away from fellowship and draw us away from community and draw us away from being together and living out this whole idea of spurring one another on and doing good deeds and meeting together. I read a story the other day about a preacher that was struggling with one of his church members that had quit coming. It wasn't during this pandemic just had quit coming to church and hadn't seen a person in some time. And he knew, you know what, there's probably a struggle going on in that person's life. And he went and visited the man in his house. And we went and visited his man at the house. The man had a nice fire going in his fireplace. And the preacher asked, can I come in? And the man said, sure, come on in. And he sat before the fire and didn't say a word. They just stared at the fire. It wasn't long, though, the preacher got up and he took and went and grabbed some tongs over by the fireplace and he grabbed one log and he took it out of the fireplace and set it to the side and they watched as that one log started to die and the flame went out. Preacher again didn't say a word. A few minutes later, got up and grabbed that log and put it back in the fire and watched it spark back up and started to burn again. Looked at the young man and said, I'll see you Sunday at church. As he walked away, the young man said, thank you for the sermon. So much truth in that, isn't there? That's what happens. Not on purpose. I don't think anybody who's listening to these words today who have been part of God's church prior to the pandemic, who were faithfully involved, have purposely said, oh, I'm just kind of done with God. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to quit. Maybe a few have. But because of life and because things happen and you just kind of get in the way, what happens is it's easy then to get out of routines. Haven't been meeting in my group in a while. Haven't been in church in a while. I'm just kind of doing it online. Well, I don't really love it that way. And little by little, we do this slow fade. And some of us probably feel like right now, I'm that log where the fires kind of quit burning. And maybe inside, spiritually, you're feeling like kind of charred ashes. You know the fire can get lit right back up you jump back into community. You jump back into relationship. You get around other people who are on fire for God and they're hot for God and that starts to fire you up because you're like, they're excited about their faith and it can then drive you to be excited about your faith. The temptation is to continue in this journey, well, do some online, show up here and there. It's not God's plan. It's not what He wants. So let me encourage you as we close today to set some goals. Because it's goal-setting season, early January. Maybe you already set some goals. I want to walk. I want to exercise. I want to read my Bible. I want to do this. I want to do that. Matter of fact, I had someone email me uh, yesterday and said, Brian, here's some of my goals. I loved it. I love seeing the email for, for, for this year. But let me encourage you to make some top goals for 2021. I want to ask you to start praying for people who are far from Jesus. We got to get back to that. We've talked about that before, but do you have some names? You should have a top five list of people that you're praying for. I, I've told you before, I keep my list right on my phone. If it, of course, it's Facebook open right now. But if you looked at my screensaver, there's my names of people that I'm praying for. Every time I open my phone, I'm like, okay, Lord, I, and I need to pray for those people. And Lord, draw them to you. It may be people who knew Jesus, they've wandered away. Maybe people who don't know Jesus. Maybe people, I'm not sure where their faith is, but as far as I can tell, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of faith. And so I'm praying for them to come and to, to seek Jesus. Can you make a top five list for this year? And you know what would be exciting is for you to lead them to Christ, for you to lead them into the waters of baptism. We'd love to do that this year. Secondly, may I ask you to make this a goal. Make a commitment to weekly worship. 
Make a commitment to weekly worship. Corporate gathering like this is what I'm talking about. I know there's several avenues how we can worship God, but I'm talking about the gathering of the church. As Hebrews says we come together. I would suggest, if at all possible, to overcome fear with faith and say, you know what, it's time to start getting back in-person services. But if you're online, again, I want to respect that. If you're online, make it your time of worship. Don't make it like you're watching a television show. We're all guilty. I know. I've done it. Turn it on. Oh, there's some Christian music, and I got this computer work. I got some emails to send. Oh, let me fold some laundry. Oh, no, I probably wasn't folding laundry. Um, <laughs> Brian was like, yeah, he didn't fold any laundry. Um, but we can do that where we're like, oh, yeah, I got church on just like a tell. No, if you're going to be online, then be online fully engaged. Like set aside that time and say, you know what, 11 o'clock, I'm going to worship my church. I'm going to be consistent with my church. I'm going to worship. I'm going to set aside everything. I'm not going to be on a computer. I'm not going to be multitasking. I'm going to be focused in. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to sing the best I can. Hey, you know, the one advantage of singing online is if you're just with your family, they're the ones that can laugh at you if you can't sing. But maybe you sit on a piece of paper and take notes. You say, it's time for communion. You have your communion prepared. And so you get online just like, hey, I'm going to church. If you have to get up and get yourself showered and get dressed and get out of your pajamas and say, Lord, I'm bringing my best to you today online because right now we're still in this pandemic and I'm kind of holding back on it for a little while. Then so be it if that's you, but make it a priority. Commit to a group. Commit to a group. January 17th, you'll see our group signups will come out. We'll have a sign-up period with groups launching in February. Groups that meet in Bible studies. There'll be women's groups and some men's groups. There'll be some growth groups. Now's the time to start praying and saying, Lord, where do I go? When this group stuff come out, where do I sign up? You say, well, most of them are on Zoom. Yeah, you know, I have learned that with a Zoom group, you can still get a lot of fellowship. You can still get a lot of learning. We can still make that happen. There will be still some in-person groups. And Lord willing, as the vaccine comes, more and more we'll get back to in-person groups. Lastly, I would encourage you this. Find your place to serve. Find your place to serve in a body. Now that we've been through this pandemic, a lot of serving areas have just kind of really been messed up, so to speak. I know Lane needs help in the family ministries, children's ministry, student ministry. We need help in our first touch team. Uh, we need help in worship team. Just about every area in this church right now could use extra hands. And you know what I would love today? I would love to get home today or later this evening or tomorrow I would love to have like 20 emails. Brian, where, where am I needed? Brian, what can I do? Because what happens is we as staff have to go and kind of chase down or we have to go, well, who do we ask here? We ask there. Uh, elders, are, we're praying, who do we get involved with this? If we had 20 emails from people saying, just plug me in. I need, I need a spot. We will, fi- we will find you a spot. Because it, this, this year is going to be kind of like replanting a church is what it's going to be like. And that's the mindset we're going to have to take as a church. Let's replant. Let's let's restart. And let's dig in just like it was year one. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Because year one compared to year 16, I could give you a lot of comparisons about how things have changed. So church, I just want to ask you right now. Let's live out who God has called us to be. Let's not... Let's not let 2020 dominate us anymore. We've been dealing with it long enough. Yeah, we still have to deal with some of the stuff of the pandemic, but there's no reason for it to stop us any longer from living out who God wants us to be. Let's pray. Father God.